Um, but hey, what would a 10-year-old party be without gifts and a game? So we're going to combine those two. We have gifts and a game, hide and seek. I hid three $10 Amazon gift cards in this room. Go. Ah, we found one. We found two. One last one. <laughs> Come on down. There we go. We can, we can do, we can do, what is this? We can either do 21 questions or high, uh, hot and cold. Ah, we found the third one. Yay. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. So see what I'm going to do here? So we just had a birthday gift uh, and birthday game, but how fun. Okay. You probably don't need, I, I know the, the ones who found the $10 gift card. You probably didn't really need the $10 gift card, right? But yet everybody's still kind of like, there's a $10 gift card. Let's go find it, right? And then when you find it, there's like this hit of, I won, I'm rich with $10 of Amazon money, right? <laughs> so there's just something inside of us that, that uh, we just love searching and finding treasure, right? It's just built into us. This, this uh, Friday, we were talking at Men's Bible Study about how there's this, this annual treasure hunt in Utah and people from all over the state, nation, and I think maybe even the world, like converge for this long drawn out treasure hunt where they have all these cryptic you know, hints and everything like that. And, and just, it was kind of crazy. Uh, one of the guys at Bible Study was telling us, he followed it pretty close and he was saying there's all this mystery and intrigue and drama and, and maybe even some scandal involved with it, right? And like, like one lady from Iowa drove out twice and then flew out once and then she found it. Uh, but then there was all this question of, did she use AI to find it? Because she was like, the AI bot was like smashing the, 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 the treasure hunt people of, is it here? No, is it here? Is it, no. And it was learning as it went. And, and it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you did two trips from Iowa and a last second flight. Like you're spending hours and hours and thousands of dollars on this. $25,000 prize. I mean, that's a lot, but when you're spending probably, you know, eight to $10,000 on this, like, like there's just something deep inside of us that we want to seek and find treasure, right? I remember uh, uh, when I was a kid, um, this was 42 years ago, the first Indiana Jones movie came out. Isn't that crazy? 42 years ago, we feel old. <laughs> And I'm going to make some of us feel even older. I remember uh, it was, I was eight years old. Family not only went to Nebraska Land Video to, remember when you would actually go to a video store to rent movies on VHS? Some of us even had to rent a VHS player. Anybody remember that? It was the most exciting thing ever. And to make the most bang for your buck, well, we're already renting the VHS player. Let's get three VHS tapes for the whole weekend, right? Because you had like three or four days. And, and so we were so excited, right? And I remember, I don't know, Craig, Craig's older, way older than I am. Um, so he probably remembers it. But in my eight-year-old brain, this is how the story went. We, we, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was, was one that we rented, right? And we were not that far into it. And my parents were like, no, this is evil. We're not watching this. We are not gonna, this is horrible, right? And so what do you think little eight-year-old Jason did late at night? 
I went back downstairs. Our TV was in the basement. All our bedrooms were upstairs. Little Jason snuck down into the basement, hooked it all back up, found the tape, and continued to watch. Well, I'm telling you, little eight-year-old Jason wishes he would have listened to dad and mom when it was sort of like the (laughs) scene. Scarred forever, right? But why did I do that? Because I wanted to see, does Indy ever find the treasure, right? There's something deep inside of us that we are always looking for something more. We're always seeking some kind of treasure, something more, bigger, newer, better, different. And that, that, that process draws us in. Even if life is really good, we still get a hit when we find a $10 Amazon gift card, right? Jesus understood that. Jesus understood that that is deep down inside of us. We are wired that way. And so he tells a story very intentionally. Jesus, we're, we're in Matthew chapter 13, and, uh, and he, he taps into that, that experience as humans because he knows that we are constantly searching, physically, financially, relationally, health-wise, spiritually. And so he's been telling these stories called parables that are kind of cryptic and make you really think. And so this morning, we're actually just going to look at three verses. It's super simple. But the, the first verse is this, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, What was really common at that time is that you would have people who would own land, right? And they maybe didn't want to farm the land, so they would hire people, laborers, to come and farm their ground for them, right? And so this laborer, he's not rich. He's just a a worker. He's the one who's out, you know, busting his back and getting his hands dirty and everything like that. And and he's going through this field. He's probably cultivating it or whatever and and just hoeing it up. And and all of a sudden, he finds a treasure. Well, what happened is in this day, 2,000 years ago in the ancient Near East, they didn't have banks or safety deposit boxes. So to keep your treasures and your valuables safe, they would literally go and they would dig a hole out in the field and bury it. That's the safest thing. It's kind of like, well, I don't want to have it in my house because someone's going to come there and grab it. So they would literally hide their treasures. What would happen is that people would, would either die without telling the family where it was, or they'd go out of town, and they'd die, or whatever. But across the countryside, like, this is a real thing. Like, archaeologists are still finding buried treasure out in random fields, because of, this is like a real thing, right? And so Jesus tells this story about this laborer who's just going about his daily work. He's just trying to get food for that evening, right? And all of a sudden, boom, he finds the treasure. Now, there's some interesting legality things in that culture to where if he would have taken it out and said, hey, I found this treasure, finders, keepers, the the landowner would have said, no, it's mine, give it to me. Instead, he could, because this was just a common thing, he literally puts it back in there, hides it, goes back, sells everything he has, and works and works and works to save up to buy that land. He gives up everything for that land, and then he receives the treasure, right? Pretty interesting. Now, what's, what's really noticeable is that it says, because of his joy, because of his excitement. It wasn't like this obligation, duty, 
you know, guilt, dread. It wasn't like a, well, I need, no, he was so excited because he knew the value of that treasure and he was willing to get rid of everything else for that treasure. Then Jesus tells another story in 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything that he owned and bought it. So the laborer was poor. This merchant is rich. He's not just a, a pearl retailer. He's not just a pearl. He's a pearl merchant. He literally travels the world and gathers these pearls. And so he had pearls for days and days and days. But he's, on, he's searching for this beautiful pearl that's beyond value. Now, what's really interesting is for us, it's kind of like, oh, pearls, that's really cool. In that day and time, pearls were the most expensive, luxurious, extravagant thing in the world. Gold had nothing on pearls. It was the pearl standard, not the gold standard, right? And, and so this guy, is, he is dealing in the most luxurious of luxuries, but he still is looking for one more. And he finds it. He's searching for it. The laborer was poor. The merchant was rich. The laborer was just out minding his business and just discovered it on accident. The merchant is actively searching for this treasure. Both the laborer and merchant joyfully sold everything. They gave, up, they gave up everything else. Why? Because they understood the value of the treasure that they just found. Here's the big idea this morning, is that life in Jesus is more valuable than anything else. We don't think about that, right? Life in Jesus is more valuable than anything else. Here's three things that these parables have to teach us. One, the kingdom of heaven is often hidden at first. We don't really go around thinking about eternity. On a daily basis, how often? On a weekly basis, on a monthly or even yearly basis, how often do we really think, is this all there is? Flesh and blood, 24 hours, seven days a week, right? 365 days a year. How often do we think what's beyond that? How often do we think, when I die, then what? Like, how often do we think about the kingdom of heaven? And the cool thing is, is that the kingdom of heaven is timeless. There is no beginning. There is no end. It's after we die for all eternity, but it's also right here. Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. It's right amongst the midst of us, right? His presence, his spirit, his word, his miracles, his power, his love, his grace. Everything is right here, but it's hidden. How often do we just go through life? We're like the laborer, just, I just got to make it through the day. I just got to make it through the week. I, I just, I just got to do what I can to survive. And we forget eternity, even though it's right there in front of us. And sometimes we're like the pearl merchant, where it's kind of like, life is good. Why would I need to go to church one day a week? Why would I need to, to think beyond myself? Like, life is pretty good the way it is. I have everything I need. I don't really think I need Jesus, Right? But both the laborer recognizes it when he stumbles across it, but the pearl merchant actively seeks what is hidden. It's so easy to buy into things like religion, self-help, materialism, power, money, possessions, clout, whatever it is, right? There's so many things that easily distract us from the real treasure, and we miss what's right in front of us. 
The second thing is that the kingdom of heaven is worth giving everything else up for. I love how Philippians chapter 3 says this, I once thought these things were valuable. Now, who's writing this? The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was literally born and raised into this religion that had its law, it had its every, all of its practices, right? And everything was spilled out for him from, from day one. And as long as he followed the law and did the good things and didn't do the bad things, he could make himself right, worthy of God. And, and, and he had the whole life planned out front. And he was so zealous about this that Paul himself says, I persecuted the followers of Jesus. He ordered them to death. He stood back and held the, co- the coats of the people who were killing the first Christian the martyr, the first follower of Jesus, uh, Stephen. He's sitting there holding their coats and like, yes, this is good. Jesus is, is a threat to our religion our way of life, our practices, our, our structure, right? And so if Jesus won't play by our rules, we will get rid of him. That's what Paul was a part of. He was the, the, the chief of all religious zealots, right? He says, I once thought these things were a valuable treasure, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. He didn't want to have all sorts of junk in his hands because he wanted to only hold on to Jesus. He got rid of everything else. His whole life, he had, his ticket was punched. He was set. He was ready to go, but he just tosses that all aside. Why? Because he wanted to gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteousness through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Now we're talking crazy talk. I want to suffer for Christ? That's insane. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. That is powerful. That is radical surrender. That is saying, Christ, you are the most valuable treasure I can ever imagine. And if it means suffering to see your resurrection power at work, I'm in. That's powerful. The reality is, if you give your life to, create, to, to Jesus, you have that same resurrection power that defeated death 2,000 years ago. Amen? Jesus knew the only way to the empty grave was through the cross. And he willingly went. Everybody, his own followers are kind of like, I'm chopping people's ears off. Don't, I will die. I will die for you. Right? And he was just stop, stop it, right? I know what I got to do. I'm going through the cross. And I'm telling you what, I don't like pain. I don't like suffering. I don't like uncertainty. I don't like ambiguity. But sometimes in the darkness is where we see the light the most. Amen? And so Paul is surrendering himself radically. He's giving up every treasure he ever earned to receive the treasure that only Jesus could give. Discipleship costs us everything, but we gain so much more 
in the process. Freedom, healing, acceptance, love, grace, transformation, and so much more. The third thing is this. The kingdom of heaven is meant to be discovered, experienced, held onto, and shared. The cool thing is, is that the treasure of the kingdom of heaven never runs out, right? If, if, if I was accurate with my game this morning, I'd be like Oprah up here. And a $10 gift card for you, and a $10 gift card for you. We got more, let's keep on going, right? That's the kingdom of God. It will never be exhausted. It will never stop. It is sufficient. It is, it is everlasting. And so what's really cool is that because that, that treasure never runs out and is not limited, just that salt, that light, that treasure we get to become ambassadors of those things. We get to say, oh my gosh, this is where I found the treasure. Let's go find a treasure for you. I found the treasure, now help me, I'll help you find the treasure, right? We are called to be ambassadors of Christ by helping others discover the treasure that's right in front of them. So how do we move from belief to action, from knowing to doing? Two things this morning. I want to encourage us to do two things. One, how are we seeking the treasure of life in Jesus every day in our lives? How are we seeking after the kingdom of heaven as a treasure that we want to be a part of, that we want to receive, right? I think a part of that is identifying ways that we're settling for imitations. What things are we holding on to? What things are we uh, pursuing after instead of that treasure that are actually getting in the way? Are we willing to, to get rid of those things, to recalibrate our, 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 our metal detector, so to speak, right? Are we fine-tuning to where we recognize what's garbage and what's a treasure? Because sometimes we hold on to those things, and, and Jesus is kind of like way off, colder, 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 right? So how are we seeking the treasure of life in Jesus? Spending time in his word talking to him in conversation, spending time in worship, digging into the word together, listening and being sensitive to the leading of his spirit, taking what other people are listening and learning and, and, and getting together in community and processing those things, right? There's so many things that we can do to feed that, that search, to help us find that, and then once we find it, to grow that and to experience the fullness of that. And the second thing is this, if you've already found that treasure, if you've already discovered life in Jesus and you're experiencing that, how can we help others find it too? How can we help ex uh, people experience the life, the freedom, the forgiveness, the grace that comes from a unique relationship with Christ? So those two things. This is really cool because I did not plan this passage on the Sunday that we were celebrating 10 years but it's who we are. It's why we're here. It's what drove us, and, and it's what brought you. It's, what, it's, it's our North Star. It's, it's the, everything that we, we value through, right? We want to find that treasure and help others find it as well. We want to know Jesus and make him known. It describes our vision, our mission, our DNA, our strategy, our philosophy. Everything is filtered through this concept. Jesus, life in Jesus, now and forever, is a treasure that is more valuable than anything else. And that's why we're here. 2,000 years ago, Jesus called his disciples to 
grow disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. It's the great commandment, and it's the great commission. It was really simple. Not easy, but simple. And we are here because God is alive and well, and we want to continue to join in with what he's doing. We are so excited to, to look back, and as Allie was kind of putting these things together, and, and Nicole and her were kind of collaborating on finding old pictures and things like that, and, and it's sort of like, oh my goodness, it is so crazy to see what's happened. But then to think over the next 10 years, over the next 20 years, over the, however, when I'm, when I'm 80, to look at what God could still be doing here. It is all about him. It's why we're here. Yes, there has been a cost along the way. A lot of us have had cost. A lot of us have gone through hard things. Ministry, church, family, mission, it's not always easy. There is a cost. But if we constantly remind ourselves of the value that comes from a life surrendered to Jesus, it all becomes worth it. One more thing. A lot of times we take these two stories and we say, we are the laborer, we are the merchant. The kingdom of heaven is the treasure, and the kingdom of heaven is the pearl. But this week, as I was kind of reading this, the first one is the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that we discover. But the second one, did you notice what it says? Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. The kingdom of heaven is the merchant. It's us giving everything in discipleship, radical followership of Jesus. We're the laborers who who discover the treasure of life in Jesus. But the other side of that is the price that Jesus paid. He is the merchant actively looking for, for pearls. Why? Because your pearls were pearls. The people out here are pearls. He loves us. He's searching for us. He's looking for us. He's pursuing us. And what did Jesus do? He gave up everything. He became obedient. Philippians 2, have the same attitude as Christ, who even being God himself, poured out his divine nature to become obedient, so obedient that he died on the cross for us. That is radical love. That is the treasure because he treasures us. He's the creator. He created us. He loves us. He sees the brokenness in our lives, and he doesn't say, clean yourself up, and once you're clean, then you can come to me. Instead, he is on the hunt for us. He's pursuing us. If he's found us, now we're on his crew of like what other pearls are out there that Jesus wants to discover. That's who we are as followers of Christ. If we don't join in with that treasure hunt, we're just saying, thank you for finding me. Now, good luck, Jesus. Keep on going down the road and good luck finding other people. I'm going to stay here and enjoy the gift that you gave me. No, we are called to go out and join in with his mission. I hope I didn't take too much liberty with that one, but I just kept on. I was kind of looking through commentaries, and I couldn't find I found like a couple online articles, you know, that would maybe kind of agree. But I was kind of like, I can't deny this. Jesus is the kingdom of heaven, and he is a merchant looking for us. And he wants us to join in with what he's doing. So Jesus loves you. He gave everything for you. If you haven't accepted that gift, if you haven't surrendered to that, 
please do. Please do. I'd encourage you to, to, to hang out afterwards. Come and find me or, or, or someone and, and talk with us, right? But just take that leap or, or this week. Just spend time talking with God because he loves you. He's pursuing you. Even when we don't see it, he loves you and is pursuing you and gave everything for you. That is why we're here, to, to know him and to make him known. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for that love. I thank you for um, that pursuing us, for not, not keeping us at arm's bay, not, not keeping our, our dirtiness, our filth, our confusion, our chaos, our suffering at bay to keep yourself clean. God, I thank you for, for, for loving us in that, for God's loving us so much that you poured yourself out into your own creation. You were there in the beginning, John 1, 1 says, you were there when all this was created. It was created by you, in you, through you, and then you poured yourself into that creation to draw us to yourself. God, we thank you for that. Thank you for doing what we never could, what we never would be able to do. God, you gave the ultimate sacrifice. God, forgive us. When we try to earn our way back to you, when we try to take credit for what you did, maybe for missing what's right in front of us, being distracted by things of this world, whether good or bad, God, you know what suffering is. You suffered more than anybody else in all the creation, and you're the creator out of your love for us. God, help us to, to receive that love, to receive that life. Give meaning to our lives. Help us to experience that meaning in every aspect of our lives. God, I pray that that we all, no matter if we've been walking with you for years or if we haven't yet made that decision, God, I pray that we would just surrender our lives to you. God, that we would sell everything. We would stop striving. We would start seeking you. God, you want to be found. We thank you for that. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. Praise these things in your name. Amen. Amen.